0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow.
1: Hello, and welcome to another week of Asked Map Live, where we answer any and all of your questions about the pre-health journey. I am joined today by Dr. Scott Wright, who is a former director of admissions um, an executive leader of the Texas Medical and Dental Application System, past president of NAP,
2: <laughs> and
1: the <laughs> list goes on. So, welcome.
2: Hello, 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 everybody. Good to see everyone. Good to see you, Courtney and Rachel.
1: Nice to see you too. Anything going on in Texas for Christmas?
2: Uh, it's going to get cold, uh, but that's uh, my expectation. Is it's going to be cold on Christmas, so that's a good thing. Uh, but otherwise, it's just kind of be downtime, which is also very good.
1: Yeah, it's gonna. It'll feel festive, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Hopefully, the power doesn't go out. Like a yes, right.
2: <laughs> power grid is gonna stay up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The
0: mama bear and me is like, yes, it is. And also, <laughs> well, are you prepared? Like, do you have your cans of food? Do you have your gallons of water? Somewhat.
2: Somewhat. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll I, think I, positive I thoughts. Not. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And we have Rachel, who's the co founder of mapped and has a lot of experience, I think over 20 years of doing MCAT prep and helping pre meds. So we are happy that you decided to make this company so that we could yes. join you on this journey. Welcome. Yeah, I think joining forces
0: with Dr. Ryan Gray is maybe one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's been a real joy these last few years building this thing. And yeah, days like today are part of my favorite part. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work I do. But when we just get to to hang out with students and answer their
1: questions, I remember why I'm here. Yep, exactly. That's... I knew I wanted to get back to the roots too. And I think we all align on that sentiment. So Mm -hmm. without further ado, oh, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Courtney Lewis. (laughs) I am a prior director of admissions at a medical school and I joined MAP in July. I matriculated my final class with that school and stepped out of those doors and into this so that I could try to throw my my knowledge in with the rest of this really excellent group and try to help spread the word on how to navigate this really kind of difficult, complex, and antiquated system sometimes. And it's been a blessing. It's been a real joy. So, anyways, we hope that everybody is excited to chat with us. We'll start going with questions. Looks like several came in, so I think Alexis can put one up for us. All right. Is my camera dark again? It did adjust
0: again. It's fine. Here, I'm (laughs) going to throw up a question because I think, oh, there we go.
1: Okay. It's the Mark of G. I have an interview next month at my top choice school. Congratulations. I want to send the school a letter of intent. When should I do so? Right after I interview so the adcom will see it when they deliberate. Thanks. Does anybody want to take this one? This is a common question, (laughs) um, especially this time of year with, Letters of continued interest or letters of intent.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that um, I I don't, you know, as with many things, what we say is it depends on the institution. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think that you need to the mark of G. I don't think you need to have the expectation that the adcom itself is going to see your letter of intent.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: I think that's more of a, a bureaucratic thing. The, the director of admissions or the dean of admissions will be look will be looking at the staff will be looking at that the the actual d- deliberations of the admissions committee probably aren't going to be looking at things like that.
1: Yeah, so, sometimes they don't have access to the full right. file other than your application and your secondary.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I would say you know after after you interview uh, don't feel like you have to do it like the day afterwards or whatever but you know within a a few weeks uh, or or a week or two uh, sending a letter of intent would be would be certainly appropriate and if you you know if that's what you want to do but don't don't have the expectation in your mind that it's going to be this big thing that's going to you know really wow them or something
1: I think. A lot of that is the job of, of being in the interview, right? This is mm-hmm. your opportunity to actually FaceTime with them, have discussions, show right. your interest and intent to attend if they were to offer you. And so I think that that's probably going to do a lot more than sending an email with a PDF about some of the things that have been updated in your application or saying that you intend... if. You know, to attend if they offer you a mm, seat. I right. think the interview um, that that's your chance to to feel out the school as well um, mm-hmm. and see if you want to commit to that. But that's you right. can show your interest best that way. Um, other things are going to be hit and miss on how effective they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, next question.
2: So good luck, Marco G. By the way, yeah. good luck yeah. on the interview. You're going to do great.
1: Research the school beforehand. Look at their (laughs) curriculum in the
2: clubs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Amy, how to update schools about fall semester grades? Upload transcripts or write an update letter. I have other updates besides grades. And most schools. Oh, we jumped. Little misclick. Yeah, we just go back to that
0: old comment. We're doing
1: training in the background, just so everybody knows. We have, we have a new trainee helping us on today. So give, give some, some, some grace here. Okay. All right. I have other updates besides grades and most schools do take updates. Um, I guess I'll kind of speak to this right off the bat. I know as a director, what I wanted was official uploads into whatever Platform, especially for transcripts, things that affect GPAs and need to be calculated in to give me a more accurate estimate of <laughs> your your final standing with the school and what your current GPAs are. So there are windows of opportunity to upload official transcripts and and have them calculated into your GPAs. And I for a Comus, would, yeah, yeah, for a Comus, I would go with that route. Um, but they're going to need they're going to need the information. It's, it's helpful for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it does vary by application. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Courtney with her history of being an osteopathic director often will think of a first, which is good mm-hmm. because too many of us think of AMCAS first, right? So we want that reference. A does have those official windows where you mm-hmm. can upload additional grades. Um, AMCAS does not. Um, and I don't remember off the top of my head about Texas. Do you, Scott?
2: Uh, they want updates from, uh, the spring semester, from the fall semester, they will take updates. Okay. Um, a, a, as well. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess Amy, the first thing is which application service does the school belong to? So check, check the regs as, right. as will vary based on your, is it AMCAS, ACOMIS, or TMDSAS? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, So I I think we're all in agreement that if they accept an uploaded transcript, that's gonna work out better. Um, If they do accept it, that's the route to go. And then Scott, I know you have lots of great things to say about update letters. So do you wanna take that part?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that, uh, you know, uh, Amy, we we say this a lot with with regard to letters of any type that you're sending to the schools, they need to be short, concise, to the point, don't go on and on And, and what we prefer And what we recommend is that you're not updating. I'm still doing this and I'm Mm -hmm. still doing that. If it's a new thing, that's an update. Uh, It's not an update to say I'm still the president of this club, or I'm still volunteering at XYZ hospital. Um, New new information that might be relevant to the admissions committee uh, would be would be valuable, but Mm -hmm. don't just update, you know, stuff that you're, you're still doing. Uh, So Mm -hmm. short, concise, to the point, and only with new information.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to clarify on that a little bit, Scott, because, and, you know, challenge me if you think I'm wrong, please, but my impression is new, but still of substance. Yeah. So sometimes what I get is, hey, I just got this cool volunteering opportunity, and I start in January. Can I send an update letter? And my question is, what are you going to say? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Like yep. there's there, there's nothing of substance yet. You haven't had that experience. <laughs> right,
2: right. That's right. Yep.
1: New and substantial.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I agree with that completely. Yes. Okay.
1: Thank you. Good. Good to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Okay, Annie. Do reapplicants carry stigmas when reapplying? I don't think so. I know I, I never had an issue with it. I haven't heard any other directors or deans um, upset about reapplicants. One, it shows continued interest. Usually they've attended some of your virtuals or, you know, have gotten more information, have come to you for advising and things. And so, especially with how dense the applicant pool is, there's so many really wonderful and qualified candidates that we would love to see that we just literally do not have enough seats to hand out to. And so seeing that person in the next cycle saying, I'm still available, I'm still really interested, I've even done a couple of extra things, I'm better prepared is, is a bonus to me. So I would not say if a stigma was there, I would say that it's a good thing to show them, you know, I'm still pursuing this. I've improved and, and I want to come here. I don't know. Scott, do you have yeah, any? No, there? I
2: agree. I agree with that completely. Okay. I, I don't okay. think there's any stigma now.
1: And a lot of the times I don't even, unless I remember a name um, for somebody that I went over for a very specific reason, normally not a good thing, but sometimes a good thing, right? I want, I want to see this application come in, um, a lot of the times we're unaware unless we dig back and you know change our date in our system and go back through those files and look it up. So a lot of the times each year in our you know our processing software can be completely separate and we won't do that unless we ask it on the secondary or, or go back. So um, yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay, Joad. I have two C's and my C GPA is a 3.5 and science GPA is a 3.4. Do I need grade remediation? Um, would working a corporate job like tech sales during gap year look bad for AdComs? Thank you as always. It's tough to say <laughs> in, in this context um, with this amount of information We kind of need to see where you attended schools, what your semesters or quarters looked like, how recent was the coursework? What was it focused on? Anybody else want to jump in on on some of these things? Because it's kind of hard to say.
2: Yeah, and I don't I don't exactly know what, Jawad, what you mean by grade remediation. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure what, what you mean by that. Keep in mind that the application services are going to um, I think i I think Acomas does this now. They they uh, average all of the takes of a, of a particular class. Is that right, Courtney? All
1: of them are included. Yeah. Any, any grade that you receive. So
2: everything's included. Even if you retake a class, it's still included in the, in the GPA. And so I agree with you, Courtney. I think it depends on number one, what was the, what were the classes that you have the two Mm -hmm. C's in? Are they science? Are they non-science? Are they, if they're science, are they lower level, they upper level, you know, there's a lot of things here that we really don't know. Um, I think a 3.5 GPA for a cumulative is a a pretty strong GPA. 3.4, I I usually get a little nervous when the science GPA is lower than the cumulative Mm -hmm. GPA. That's not a notable difference there. I mean, it's a a 0.1 difference, which is not a huge difference. But uh, so I would say in terms of the first question here, um, I don't know that you would need to go back and retake it, although it kind of depends on, what it was and when you took it and you know various things that courtney said so i would i would definitely pass this by your pre-med advisor at your institution and uh kind of get their uh, their opinion on what what might be the right uh, move
0: yeah yep. and what i'll add to that i mean scott sort of verbalized this but just to um show it let me do full screen so you guys can see a little more here is um when you're thinking about your GPA, you need to be thinking about trends as well as numbers. And that's more true if you're worried about your GPA. So every once in a while, I'll get someone who's like, Rachel, I had a 3.9 and then I got my first ever you know, B or A minus, and now it's a 3.8. And I'm like, that's, that's not the trend I'm talking about. <laughs> um, because your GPA is still stellar in that scenario. But yet, not all three fours are created equal, right? So here's an example student on the screen where they have a cumulative of 342 and a science of 344. But when you're looking at the lines, the green is the semester line, you can see the blue cum line has been on its way up because this person in this example struggled a little bit in the first few years and then just started killing it, right? So this 34, has maybe a little more power mm-hmm. than a three-four that has a lot of up and downs or has really mm-hmm. recent Cs. Uh, that was a weird way to say it. Cs that are recently earned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and two Cs are not going to make or break your application. I'm not real scared by your numbers, but but Jawad, if you're looking for a more in-depth answer, the question the, the way you get that is doing more in-depth analysis. And you know there are a lot of great free GPA calculators out there, but of course we really like ours. We like the pretty graphs. Um, I'm showing you the dashboard page but you can always click on this more detail and you guys can see that now right that loaded. Mm-hmm. Um and now you get these detailed tables that show you the cumulative GPA as it changed year to year. Um cumulative GPA year by year. This looks a lot like the way the AMCAS table looks when you complete your AMCAS application. That's sort of the inspiration for this table. We also do the same thing just with sciences so the science GPA as it evolves and then signs GPA standing alone year by year. And now you can see this really tells me a picture, you know, again, with this imaginary student who is conveniently named Upward Demo. So you might get that he's a good demo case for an upward trend, Um, or she, they, I don't know, I don't know their gender. Then um, this is someone who did struggle freshman year, 2.56, sophomore year, 2.93, but by junior year was doing amazing in sciences. So if I'm a director of admissions and I see this 344, I feel like whatever issues they had with science classes, they worked out. And they've shown me with 29 plus 17, what's that, 46? 46 consistent credits of science classes that they can handle the rigor. So yeah, when in doubt, go put it in Mapped. Um, And then I think Alexis is doing a lovely banner for us. I'm screen sharing, so I can't see our screen right now, but um, you can do a free trial. So if you're doing the free trial of Mapped Pro, then you can come in here and chat with the advisors. It's Courtney, it's Scott, it's me, it's Verena and Ryan, same same folks that do one-on-one advising and application academy. So if you're either paying for Mapped Pro or you're in the free trial of, of Mapped Pro, you can not only enter all your courses, but then come here and say, hey, I entered all my courses, like Rachel said, can you take a look and do some analysis with me? And we typically get back to you within one business day. I will give a caveat since today is December 21st that we're all taking a break next week, Um, but usually we'll get back to you in a business day and or on January 3rd or 4th. Um, So yeah, take advantage, do some data entry over the holiday or winter break and, and we'll help you do that analysis.
1: All right, next one. Okay, so next question is, my son's a senior in pre-med prepping for MCAT in end of January at Chapel Hill, plans a gap year and applying this May. He is a certified EMT and plans to work as an EMT after graduation, what else should he do? (laughs) Hmm, This is a tough question to, to answer in isolation. This is one of the things where, again, going back to what Rachel just described, MAP Pro um, or just mapped in general is is really helpful for this because we need more information. EMT work is great, but if that's the only thing and this Mm -hmm. is the only clinical experience that would be recent or robust, that may be problematic, Um, you know, if he's prepping for the MCAT, you're going to really want to make sure that he does well on that. And so if the certification is going at the same time, and, and it just goes on. And so this is why we need so much information to be able to tailor our advice to the student, because just like the GPA, not all GPAs are created equal, even if they're the same number. It's the same with just the, the application in general. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, hard, hard to give advice and say that, you know, one size fits all in this. So, yeah.
2: And I, I have a couple of uh, points that I would like to make on this. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree completely, um, uh, Courtney, with what you're saying. The first thing is, uh, Shazia or Shazia, I guess, um, is that, um, keep in mind that, um, uh, you, you said he's applying this May and that plans to work as an EMT after graduation. You don't say when he's graduating. If he's graduating in May and he plans to start working after May, then that rel- that 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 work mm-hmm. as an EMT is going to have zero meaning to anyone mm-hmm. in the process. Zero. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done anything. He's not, you know, so that, you know, keep that in mind that there, there needs to be some clinical activity, uh, before application, uh, that he is, um, reflecting on and and talking about within the context of his application. So keep that in mind. The other thing I would say that you don't mention here in this, uh, in your, in the little blurb here is, um, is community service work and a lot of medical schools, I would say most medical schools uh, are really interested in students doing, uh, being connected with the community. And uh, this doesn't have to be uh, medically related. It can be anything that connects you with the community at large and, and putting your time and efforts into helping other people in some in some way or another, and so I think that is something. If he hasn't done anything like that, would be something to put on his radar screen that uh, that this w- would be an important quality to to uh, to develop within himself and uh, th- this notion of of giving back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and Scott said this at the top, but I just want to underline because it's so important, not just for Shazia but for anyone if you're thinking about a gap year and planning to get key elements of your application stronger on the gap year, then what you might really be thinking about is two gap years, Mm -hmm. because if you apply in May, they're judging you based on whatever you submit in May. So if you've got things you plan on doing over the summer, fall, and winter, that's wonderful. And it probably will benefit you even if you do get in that cycle because more clinical is just gonna make you readier for med school. Um, but it won't impact your application. So, you know, what your son may have ahead of him is a question. Can he start EMT work in the new year or does he need to take two gap years? So right now he's focused on MCAT in school and then he focuses on clinical and then he applies. Um, so that's just a conversation you guys need to have as a family.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. What else? I know we've got a lot highlighted in here. So
2: keep the questions
1: coming in. It's fun to have all of these that we can choose from. Okay. So Peter, can you show an upper trend by taking two upper level classes for credits each per semester at Penn's post back while having a full-time job as a scientist? Program has 40 credits total. Okay. so. I mean, tough question. I like all these tough questions. Uh, I I'm don't seeing know if big that's head from Scott. So maybe I know, yeah, I don't know if that's enough to say trends. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think,
2: yeah, I don't think that's enough. Uh, you know, what you're talking about is two different things, Peter. You're mm-hmm. talking about coursework, which addresses the academics, your academic preparation, and your academic. Um, you know, the, 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 the chances that you're going to do well in the academic part of medical school is what, is what these credits are showing in the grades and all of that stuff. The, 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 the working full time is, is something that shows different skills and qualities about you. Uh, so, so I, you've got to separate those two out, I think. Um, uh, but to the point of the upward trend, I don't think two classes is, is enough to, uh, to show an upward trend.
0: Oh, I don't believe that's the question. So I'm going to push back slightly just because I took a different interpretation of the way Peter worded this. I heard two upper level classes per semester, four credits each. So he's going to do eight credits a semester for five semesters. So I think what he's asking is... Does my upper trend have to be full time,
2: or because he needs a full time job
0: to, you know, live and have a roof over his head and stuff? Do you think med schools would accept an upper trend that reflects part time science?
2: Yeah, I do think, I I do think so. Yes, I'm I'm sorry, Peter, I I, I totally missed the 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 nuance of the of the question. So yeah, Yeah. thank you. uh, Yeah.
1: I think as long, yeah, as you're showing full time, because we'll be able to see both aspects and and tie them together in a timeline, then yes, Mm -hmm. um, because we do want to make sure that you can handle a heavy course load. It's going to be a lot of work, but yes, we do understand that people do need to work in that, but sometimes when people kind of piecemeal things together, when really what we wanted to see was, you know, being able to handle heavy science course yes. loads it kind of defeats the purpose so again what advice you get will be a little bit different but prolonged still eight credits working full-time mm-hmm. in a post back level for an actual program mm-hmm. i think is yeah that that could do that if that's the purpose of why you're doing it yeah yeah I and i've just like, heard other
0: students say who were career changers Um, that, you know, they were glad they took out loans and found a way to go back to school full time because it helped them prepare for med school. Mm -hmm. And I think if if you're lucky enough to have the ability to get those loans or family or, you know, roommates who can help you, that's great. But I just, I personally want to be realistic that I know it's not always possible. Mm -hmm. So sure. If part-time is the best you can do, then do part-time because, you know, I I have to work for a living too. (laughs) So. I, I, th- I think most of us do and people in admissions yes. do, right? They're not rolling in it. They're not in academia because they're making, yeah. you know, right.
2: books. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: they, they probably understand the need to have a mortgage and, you know, might live paycheck to paycheck sometimes.
1: It's If you're doing the program though, just just remember, while we do see that you're working full time and and doing what you can, which is more than one class per semester, we're still going to expect to see good performance mm-hmm. in yeah. those classes. Those are going to be your most recent um I'm assuming science grades right and and it's going to be kind of a an indication to us on your preparedness to handle either multiple things at once or just upper level science coursework taking more than one class at a time. so you're really even if you're working full time, you know. give you some leeway for that but I I know for a fact these grades are going to be very important so you need to prioritize getting good grades in them and also maintaining that material you know you actually need to learn it and understand it because it's going to be built upon when you get into medical school so just keep that in mind Yep. all right next one for the collective here Zoe hi I quit my job last year and recently started thinking about going to medical school okay my local community college has an EMT class. Would it be helpful if I take it and get some experience? That's one avenue, right? Anybody else want to jump in on this? So I'm not over talking or anything. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think. I think. Yeah. yeah go. Go for it. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: I'm like who's the so, camera? There we go. <laughs> just like last night. Um, Okay. (laughs) So um, EMT work is great. I think that it will give you hands-on clinical experience. I know I matriculated EMTs that were able to then help their fellow classmates with some of the clinical aspects and the tactile things like suturing and stuff. So it'll be really good experience. But again, in isolation, it's hard to let you know um, if this is the best bang for your buck, or most high yield, you know, we would need to see your academic profile and and things to kind of make sure we're we're filling in any gaps and addressing anything that some um, admission committee might point out and say, "Ooh, you know, we really don't have enough evidence of of understanding or experience or grasp of these sections." So, standalone EMT is is a great way to gain clinical hands-on experience. Um, you probably don't want it to be your only thing that you do to gain medical experience. It's, it's pretty hyper-focused. Um, anybody else have anything else that they want to add to this? It's um, So
0: unfortunately, I was typing a reply to the chat, so I'm afraid I'm repeating you. But I just okay. want to hit on the class is not what matters. Yeah. It's the job that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't think I'm gonna get that certification and then I can put that on my application right. because mm-hmm. right. schoolwork doesn't really go in activities, right? It's it's the work, it's the volunteer or paid work you do as an EMT mm-hmm. after the community college class. That's what we'll want to hear about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And also just, you know, make sure to be clear in your mind, why not stay an EMT? Why do you want to pursue being a physician? What is your driving force there? So that when you get asked about this, you know, in your application and things, you, you have an understanding, you know why you wanted to become an EMT, what you gained from it, what you can reflect on, um, and why not just stay an EMT. So, okay, Great. next one. All right, Vanessa, hi. I graduated in 2019 and I plan to apply in the 2023 application for entry in 2024. Would my prerequisites still be applicable or would I need to retake them? I would say that's totally within an acceptable time yeah. frame. frame. Um, yeah. you know, if you're if you're looking at 10 years out, maybe that's a different conversation, but you know this kind of fits within that gap year range. Mm -hmm. You're gonna want, if you haven't taken the MCAT, please prepare for that, feel solid on that because they may see, you know, if if you don't get as competitive of a score, they may assume that there's, uh, you know, maybe some of the material hasn't been retained as much as they would like to see evidence of, so, Just know that there's kind of thought processes like that that go on but this is well within the current or recent coursework um, that we like to see. Right and
0: I think um, emphasis on coursework a lot of times students think oh I have to retake my prerequisites but may- maybe I mean, if it's been like occasionally, med schools will say after a certain number of year we want to see the prereqs retaken. But it seems like in more cases it's just we want to see that you've recently handled rigorous science.
2: So mm-hmm.
0: you know, rather than retaking bio one, maybe you're taking some cool upper level bio classes that interest you, like you know physiology or genetics. And in your case, I don't think you need to, Vanessa. But just for anyone, again, I always try to think about the bigger learnings beyond the question. It's yeah. not always the prerequisites. It's just more about can you show us you can still handle science? Yeah,
1: well, and and be honest with yourself too. Do you feel like you should retake the the prerequisite courses to to have a fresher foundation before going into things? Because once you start med school, if you do get in, it doesn't stop and it builds Mm -hmm. upon all of that foundational material. So Mm -hmm. if it would be worth it to you and you feel like you would go in much better prepared with, you know, having retaken these, by all means, do it. Be honest with yourself. It's, you know, you can fit these into a couple of semesters and, and put yourself in a better position going forward. But you don't have to. Most likely, um, mm-hmm. as long as you got a C or above in those classes. Yep. Okay. Next question. All right, Caleb. Hi. Thanks for taking our questions. You're welcome. I have a traffic misdemeanor for careless driving. Ugh, are you from Texas? Okay. Uh, <laughs> from a car accident, what is the best way to address it? And will it take me out of the running at many schools? Scott, I'm actually gonna get yeah. your take on this because okay. I know different schools have different kind of yeah. views on these things.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, so number one, this is something that you would want to declare in the application. Uh, you want to, uh, it, there's a section in the applications that says, "Are have you been, and, and the verbiage is a little bit different for every application, uh, whether it says arrested and convicted or whether mm-hmm. it just says uh, that you've been, you know, detained, you know, I, I don't know, there's a variety of different, you know, uh, uh, of different words that they use, but nonetheless, you would want to declare this. And you would want to describe the situation in a very concise way so that you can quickly move on to exactly what you learned uh, mm-hmm. out of this situation. What, 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 you know, How are you different have, having gone through this? What have you learned about yourself in, in, uh, by virtue of this, uh, this thing that happened? Uh, that's the way to address it. Uh, own it. Uh, I did it. This is what happened. I, I learned a lot that being ABC uh, and it, it is not my feeling that in and of itself, that this uh, would be something that would uh, take you out of the running at, at most medical schools. Then there, there may be a handful that for whatever reason they say, you know, we're, you know, not interested, but I, I think that, uh, you know, they, we, we see a lot of these sort of traffic misdemeanor kind of things uh, that, that come through. Uh, this, this and uh, public intoxication mm-hmm. is, is another one that's uh, fairly, free you know, I wouldn't say frequent, but is, is pretty uh, not unusual. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in addition to, uh, uh, you know, a variety of other sort of what I would call sort of low-level kinds of things. So I, I wouldn't, Caleb, I, just to encourage you, I, I don't think that you should uh, worry about this necessarily now. Having said that, what are the options really? I mean, if you think about it, does this mean you're not gonna apply? So if you, you know, what if it does take you out of the running at, at, at one of the schools that you're applying to? I mean, what what do you do with that? There's, the, you, you have no decision there. Are you, you you're, you're still wanna be a doctor, you still wanna move forward, you're still gonna apply. You're going to declare it. You're going to address it in the application as I've suggested. And then if a school decides that they're not interested in you because of this, then that's their choice. They can mm-hmm. do that. And you have to just move on and say, okay, that is that is what it is. So, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of times what what you guys as pre-med students do is you overthink this so much, mm-hmm. boil it down to exactly what is – happening here and that being the idea that you don't have a decision here the only decision you have here is you're going to declare it in your application that is it that's Mm -hmm. your entire decision process there then the medical schools you have to let them do what they're going to do and whatever they're going to do you have no control over that Mm -hmm. uh, other than what you've said in your application about the event
1: Yep. Yeah. You and definitely want to disclose it though. Yep, yes. absolutely.
0: Yeah, and as someone who is a former speed demon who would I had to get an insanely stupid amount of tickets before I learned my lesson, you might grow out of it. Just just own whatever you did wrong. Remember yep. that uh had yep. other people's lives in your hands when you think you're just in a hurry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and And I think you know from from the discussions that I've heard for things that show up on on criminal background, you know some speeding tickets, that's why I brought up Texas, right? That's a misdemeanor, while in other states, that's not a misdemeanor. Exactly. so we do try to be equitable. um ownership, as Dr. Wright said, is very important. What did you learn from it? Don't try to blame somebody else for this or or shove it off and mm-hmm. and try to not give us any details. We want to know. That there's been maturing and kind of resolution to this. Another option would be to look at expunging it. Um, You know, not everybody has that option, but maybe look into it. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Okay. And Helica, I'm currently in the process of applying to an SMP, and one of my teachers I planned on receiving an LOR from has disappeared okay <laughs> how do i go about obtaining letters of recommendation exhausting or exhausted my options um geez uh this is tough yeah.
2: well so one thing i would say here is when you say the person has disappeared i mean i i, I want to know more about what that means mm-hmm. if that means you're sending them emails and they're not responding then Get up, go out your front door, walk to their office, actually show up in person, and try to find them. Sometimes they get backed up, especially at the end of the semester, on emails and stuff, and maybe their voicemail is full. But, you, you know, make the effort to go and find them in their lab, go and find them in the, you know, stand outside their classroom door, uh, if they're still in classes and, and, wait for them to come out and say, Hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so and, or, you know, whatever. Uh, so, uh, don't just she, depend on email. Uh, she
1: has an update actually. She said okay, that yeah. he's, he's no longer at the university. Ah,
0: right. But okay. With a lot of respect on Helica, you have Google, right? He's somewhere, right? Like get a little politely stocky. Do not show up at his house or his church. Um, but it is okay to try to track yeah. him down at his new job. Yeah. It and- is okay to try to track him down on LinkedIn. He might be looking for another job and have a resume out there with a personal email. If it's, if it's on the public
1: internet, it's fair game. Well, and and another thing to kind of think about is Maybe there's a reason that they're doing it because they don't want to be up front about not wanting to write it for you. And then Mm -hmm. in that case, that's not going to be a very strong letter and you don't want it. Um, And so just because this is the person that you planned on getting a letter from doesn't mean it's your only science professor. Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't build a rapport with these other ones that's as strong or not have as much face time. But it may be a better option for you to go and explore those and and say, you know, I took your class 3 years ago. I I enjoyed it. These topics, I know, you know, I didn't attend office hours. I'm I'm pursuing a medical education. Are there things can we meet? Would you be, you know, potentially up for writing a letter of recommendation for me? I need to have science professors submit them, mm-hmm. you know, and and feel out options that, <clears throat> yeah, that maybe clear. you hadn't planned on, but yeah. they're there. You took science courses. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes chasing somebody down is kind of an answer to you.
2: Yeah, that's a good Um, point.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree with that. It sounds like in this case, it's like the emails are going into a black hole as opposed to being ignored. But you're right. I think you do have to be, sometimes silence is an answer. Um, And then, yeah, I guess the other thing I would offer is you're saying teacher, but go back and read the SMP fine print on what the letters of rec are. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's definitely only professors and you've exhausted all of your professors, instructors, TAs, whatever, then maybe you need to reach out to the school and talk about, um, are there ever exceptions? Could I use a work supervisor or volunteer Mm -hmm. supervisor Mm -hmm. instead? Um, They might say no. And again, always check their website. Don't call them with things you could have Googled, but it's okay to ask. Yeah. If you're sure if, yeah. if you are succinct and polite, it's okay to ask.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and, and also go to your pre-med advisor if they have one or or somebody who does advising um, for pre-meds at that university and say, This professor is no longer here and, and I need a letter. Is there anybody else or is there a committee aspect mm-hmm. or yeah. you can know, you what do you suggest here? that yeah. I do? Yeah. It, you know, yeah. can I talk about my record with somebody else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: you know, I always find that honesty is, is the best policy. If you go to a professor that you don't know very well, just be honest with them and just say, okay, here's the situation. Mm-hmm. Dr. So-and-so was going to write this letter. Dr. So-and-so is gone. They, I don't know where they went and, and I can't get in touch with them. And, uh, and just say, I'm in a tight spot. I know that I, you don't really know me. I was in your class two years ago, but and then, as Rachel said, you know, can I meet with you, or can I, you know, do this and 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 make this? Just, just, you know, don't don't try to figure out a weird way to do it. Just be honest and mm-hmm. say, here's the situation. You know, can are you willing to help me?
0: Mm-hmm. Radical candor, friends, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what I often think of, and I'll, I'll credit our dear friend and co-founder Ryan Gray is sometimes I'm hemming and hawing about a conversation and I'm thinking through all the if-thens and what if I say it this way and then I offend her or what if I don't say the right thing and don't show enough appreciation to them and Ryan will say, hey, Rachel, what if it were easy? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, for easy, I would just say, and then I would say the thing and he'd be like, okay, so why don't you start with that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Mind
0: blowing. <laughs> How often it works.
1: <laughs> and I would so, think yeah. that if there's a professor, they they want students to continue their education and grow and learn, right? They they appreciate that. So mm-hmm. seek seek out your options. I don't I don't think they're as limited right. as as maybe you would think.
0: I think she agrees with us. We've got a thank you so much from Anhilica.
1: Best of luck to you. You're welcome. Yeah,
2: good good luck, Anhilica.
1: Letters of redim- Recommendation even if you know who's gonna write them. (laughs) are Our our big hang
0: up for everyone. By the way, that's a great time to do a quick plug. I don't know where our My LORs banner is or maybe we don't even have one yet so I'll just make one real quick. No, we do have one, yay. Uh, If you go to mylors.com, MAPS is creating a letter of recommendation secure portfolio. It is in closed beta testing right now which means it's built, it's working. We're making it prettier and more effective, and we've got a select few students helping us test it. And in early 2023, it will be open. So um, for those of you that need a secure place to store your letters of rec that you're collecting January, February, March, um, April, before applications open in May, we'll be able to help you. So uh, go to my LORs and sign up for the waitlist to be sure you're in touch about that.
2: And not only are we going to collect them, but that we send them to... MCAS. Or
0: Correct, or Comus. A and I right. actually think there might have been a question in there today about how do I do that? How do I know yeah. which letters go to which schools? And mm-hmm. a, a good letter portfolio service is going to help you manage all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And the big perk with doing ours is it's not a standalone service. It's built into Mapped Pro. So I was showing you guys a little earlier um, the um, mapped with the gpa calculation the activity tracker the med school research the advising chat if you're in that mapped pro level that has the advising messaging you will also have the lor portfolio so that's seven dollars and fifty cents a month you're going to get everything that comes in mapped pro so all the amazing stuff in mapped free messaging with advisors and a secure way to store and send your confidential letters of rec.
1: I was gonna say, they are still confidential. It's not like using this service is gonna magically change that. For mm-hmm. the application services to accept them, we need to follow their standards for keeping them confidential. So while you'll know who got sent the link and all of that information, when you send them off, you're you're still not gonna be able to read the material. Yeah, there's right. a reason for that. Because yeah. there's the
0: whole integrity behind this process mm-hmm. and that, that won't change.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. But we we will QA QA them for basic things like, is there a date, is there a signature? We of course won't QA them for, is it a letter good or not? Because that's between you and your confidential letter writer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, A good phrase to use is, would you be willing to write me a very strong letter of recommendation? Mm -hmm. And that gives the person you're asking a chance to politely say, well, I'm afraid it wouldn't be very strong because I don't know you very well. or maybe brutally say it wouldn't be that strong because I have some concerns. But honestly, if they do, be grateful, better that they tell you before they write the letter. Absolutely. Um, I, I once, uh, back in my MCAT tutor days, fired someone who then asked me immediately for a letter of rack. And you know, I don't take firings lightly. Like he, I had cause, the cause was that he was regularly no showing on his students. Like it's a pretty egregious error in one-on-one tutoring. And he was like, I just really want a letter from you. And I'm like, the letter is going to be honest. Like, do you really want me to put in writing the reasons that I let you go? <laughs> and he was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
1: well, please
0: <Yeah>. reconsider. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing you a favor by saying no. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All, All right. right. Let's fit in a couple more before we log off here, if we can Greg, hi. I started my first semester with a 3.67 GPA, next semester a 3.77, summer semester 3.8, and now a 3.84. Is this a good upward trend? I am a Texas resident as well and want to go to UT Southwestern. Hmm, if anybody
2: Anybody I don't anything know anything about Texas? Hello cool. So greg this is a uh, you know the my first my first thought about your your question is you're you're obviously a good student. Even at a three point six seven that's a good strong GPA. Uh, yes, the answer to your question is this does show an upward trend uh, even though you didn't really, you know, need an upward trend. You had a good strong GPA to start with, but it's getting better as as you're going along, and that's great. So absolutely, this is this is looking good. Uh I would be I would encourage you, you know, keep it up, keep keep your uh um, you know, keep doing the the whatever you're doing, keep 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 doing it. And uh, you know, do all the other things that, you know, we talk about constantly on on this broadcast and in in other venues. And uh and I think that uh uh, you'll, you'll, you know, depending on other things in your application and stuff, you, you, you'll be, you'll certainly in terms of academics be a, a very strong candidate. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're doing great and just keep, keep up the good work.
0: Yeah. And just gentle reminder, um, Scott touched on this, but when we talk about upward trends, we're usually talking about someone who has a low cumulative mm-hmm. and is trying to show that their recent work is much better than their old work. So when your GPA is already north of 3.6, we probably aren't actually spending a lot of time thinking about your trend. Not never, I mean, this is still, it is an upper trend. It's just that when someone says I have a 3.67 Q, or these numbers combined, are probably gonna make a 3.7-ish Q, right? Depending on the number of credits you had, like I probably wouldn't even ask about a trend, right? Right. I'm more likely to ask when the numbers 3.2 or 3.4, where I just wanna see is this where I got a lot of B's recently or is this, I got a few C's
1: freshman year and now I'm killing it. Right. Just finish strong. Like you've been going, you don't want to tank it last semester, even if your cumulative wouldn't suffer. And this is. Mm -hmm.
2: And and I would encourage you, Greg, knowing that you're a a Texas resident apply to every Texas school. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can say, I want, um, to go to Southwestern or I want to go to Houston or whatever. Uh, but apply everywhere. Uh, it not, not only does it increase your chances, but it also sends a signal that you're willing to go wherever you get in to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember often, well, not often, uh, uh, it wasn't unusual. I would talk to a student who uh, had applied and was reapplying and and I said, well, last year I see you did not apply to schools X, Y, and Z in Texas. What, tell me more about that. Well, I didn't want to live there, and I mm-hmm. you know, didn't have any family around. And, and, and the message there to the medical school was, I would rather not be a doctor than live in X location. Right. And and almost without fail, the student would be like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that would be how that might be uh, viewed. And uh, but you know, think about that. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. Word of the wise apply to all the Texas schools, correct?
1: And it, it's such a good opportunity for Texas residents, right? To to have schools that are so absolutely. you know, they're matriculating Texas residents, yeah. and yeah. you know, go for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, maybe one or two more if yeah. we can fit sure. them in. Anita, mm. how would I be able to talk to a MAPT advisor one on one? Um, is that through the website? Rachel, you want to explain how yeah. they can do that?
0: So we have lots of ways. Um, yeah. So if you want a one-on-one live call where you're just talking to one of us over Zoom, um, you know, cameras on or off your choice, then medicalschoolhq.net is the best way. So you can go to that, that website. That's like our big behemoth website that's got all, links to all of our blog posts, our podcasts, a lo- bunch of free tools. But if you click on the advising tab, it's going to have access to lots of different one-on-one advising options. So that's the best way to do it. If you're looking to say, you know, get a half hour or an hour of a one-on-one call with us, or if you need one-on-one essay help, one-on-one interview help, or for those of you that are applying this cycle, if you want like a comprehensive application cycle advising plan, that's where we do all of that. I had mentioned earlier that through Mapped, and I know it's a little confusing because we're talking about med school and Mapped, it's, like two branches of the same family, right? Uh, Family tree. Um, The same advisors that do one-on-one medical school HQ advising are also in mapped messaging. So if you're not ready to make that more substantial investment in one-on-one live advising, you can sign up for MAP.com. You get a free trial of PRO, which includes messaging with us like over chat. And we typically respond within about a business day. Holidays and weekends accepted. We're going to be closed next week. Um, the last week of December, Um, but um, after the trial ends, it's $7.50 a month. So that's a really high value, low cost way to have access to an advisor if you are okay with typing short succinct questions and getting an answer back in a day. If you're gonna have really long questions, lots of context, lots of immediate follow-up, then the live sessions are gonna be better for you. But if if you can deal with you know, the messaging being a day or so between responses, it's, I mean, for $7.50 a month, like, it's its a good deal. Yep, yep.
2: One more? We got time for one more?
1: Let's do one more. Let's wrap it up. Kevin Funn, haven't gotten any interviews yet for this cycle. and feeling sad. I don't no. know what to do from here. This okay, is... This is a struggle, and we've been actually having quite a few sessions about it. And you know, we're we're very familiar with this this chunk of time and what kind of stress it is, and and how deflated it can make yeah. you feel. Um, but there there is sometimes a silver lining, and there's yeah. ways to kind of navigate it. Um, yeah. Yeah, right off the bat, maybe what we could I identify and and help you out with, and the cycle's not over yet, but but we we do have you know people that are having to shift their mindset, saying, okay, maybe I'm not going to be successful this cycle. What do I need to start thinking about, or you know, am I ever going to achieve this? But yeah, go ahead. That's all right. Yeah,
2: I was just going to say, Kevin, was it Kevin?
1: Yeah, Kevin yeah. Fun.
2: Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, right. Kevin, fine. Uh, So, Kevin, you know, a couple of the suggestions that I would have, depending on where you've applied, reach out to admissions offices and ask them if they'll do a uh, application review for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some schools will not do that. There are some schools that will do that Uh, and they, they will point out the weaknesses, what you can do to improve. Uh, for a future application. Uh, so reach out to some of the schools that you've applied to and just say, you know, can somebody sit down with me or talk to me uh, just a little bit about what, what I can do to improve for, for a future cycle. Um, so I, I would say that would be a, a first thing to do. The second thing is you do that yourself. Uh, You get a you try as much as possible within yourself to be objective and to look and say, where are the weaknesses in my application? This is Mm -hmm. called reflection. This is called looking at um, yourself from outside of yourself Mm -hmm. and uh, and try to determine, you know, where are the points uh, that potentially were problematic? Where are the points where I can make a difference uh, and improve? Uh, Etc. So, but uh, do that first on your own. Make a list of things that you think would be good, good things to to do for the for the next cycle or a future cycle, and then reach out to some med schools and see if they will uh, do a review for you.
1: Yeah, some med schools will will withhold that information until the cycle's closed. Right, mm-hmm. you haven't received mm-hmm. a final decision yet, mm-hmm. just because you haven't gotten an interview invite, and it is getting later you have to shift your mindset, but but know that there may still be consideration because you haven't gotten a rejection, an outright rejection yet. And so, you know, reach out. I, I totally agree. We would get those calls all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they pull up your application, they can see your status and, and they can let you know kind of how to move forward from there. And then if you need or want more help, we are always available, yep. and right. we do this kind of advising, guidance, deep diving, and yep. kind of navigating this part for thousands of applicants. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. it's while it's not the best and you know easiest place to be right now, a lot of the times it just takes a couple of cycles to get in, and it you know you may be doing everything right and it's just the applicant pool is more than they can see. Or there could be things that just finessing a little bit or tweaking here and there would really make a big impact. So yep. once you've looked at it, once you've talked to the med schools and you have all that information, you know, do what you can, address it. If they give you feedback, make sure you follow it because yeah. if, they're, if they're gonna be upfront, they're gonna tell you exactly what they wanna see. And then you can go back and say,
2: I'm I did. teachable.
1: I'm receptive, I'm teachable, just tell me anything to do that you think would strengthen it, I will do it. And and I always thought that that was a win-win, right? I knew yeah. somebody was receptive to it, would would put in all of the effort, stayed engaged and, and was coming to me more prepared and and better. And you know. Yeah. So uh, best of luck to you. Hopefully you don't yeah, Kevin. need to think that way, but I know you well, kind of have yeah. to a little bit and, yeah. and try
2: to try to spend the holidays not thinking about it. Yeah. You know, take some time off. I know that's difficult to do, but Absolutely. you know, try to just, you know, um, just enjoy enjoy some some time off.
0: Yeah. And then a couple final links for Kevin or anyone in that boat. We do application review. So if you want to do one-on-one review with us, that's one of the advising options at medicalschoolhq.net. Also some free ways to get help, right? So the the link on the screen right now, medicalschoolhq.net is going to have a link to where you could purchase one-on-one advising with us. But Mm -hmm. if you go to applicationrenovation.com, that's a free YouTube series where brave souls have agreed to let their application be publicly analyzed. So you can do those deep dives with those students and Dr. Gray, and then apply those learnings to your own application. Um, And then also um, Alexis had put up the banner for premedworkshop.com. That's an ongoing free series we're doing. There's still two weeks left. And tomorrow night, we're gonna mostly be talking about interview practice, but next Thursday will be open Q&A. And I know one of the most common questions is going to be either, am I ready to apply if it's a first time applicant or what do I need to do to strengthen my application if I'm a reapplicant? So Mm -hmm. fill out your map profile so that we can see them. We can take a glance at all the details quickly and come Mm -hmm. to that session it's free you know so you're not Mm going to get 30 minutes of one-on-one but you might get three or four minutes of really useful tips and it won't cost you a penny so Mm -hmm.
2: and that's that's not next thursday that's
0: two thursdays two thursdays thank you ryan ryan's there in the background Wait, ignore where's
2: that voice coming from (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness It's the the existential belief. I was just
0: going to say Deus Ex Machina, but instead of Deus,
1: it's Dr. Gray. Just always lurking in the background. (laughs) He has to to monitor us in case we're saying anything crazy. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, this was helpful. We love chatting with you guys and wish you the best of luck and happy holidays, no matter what you're celebrating. Try to Give some time for your mental health and your family and yeah, yourself. Self-care, that's, that's right. Self-care, Care, so yes. Good. Yeah. And, so and join us on our multiple platforms where we share information, answer questions, and we will see you soon.
2: Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out.
0: I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool
1: like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.